Welcome to The Design Diaries, a podcast for creatives, freelancers, and business owners looking for candid conversations and real advice. I'm Melissa, self-taught designer turned freelancer and now studio owner, here to share my experiences and help you reach your goals. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're talking about client feedback, and this is a topic that I feel is the one thing that maybe doesn't bring me anxiety anymore. And what I mean by that is there's lots of topics that still feel very daunting to me in my business, for example, like marketing and finances and finding clients and other things like that. However, client feedback is something that I haven't really struggled with in a really long time and that I feel is the result of a couple of things that I'm going to share with you today. So I'm going to try and keep it short and simple because my last episode was a little bit long, not going to lie. And hopefully you can take all of these tips that I'm giving to you and integrate them into your own client experience to optimize the way that you receive feedback from your clients and also to reduce the stress of perhaps negative or unconstructive feedback. And the whole point behind getting the best possible feedback from your clients is so that you can also produce the best possible product for them in return. Because when you don't know how to communicate with them and when they don't know how to communicate with you, that's when rifts start to happen. That's when negative environments start to form. And then that's when not so great products end up being produced, um, not as a result of poor design or poor ability, but just because of poor environment. And so this is really a win-win situation for both you and the client. And hopefully all of these different scenarios that I'm recommending are not new to you, but rather are different shifts or different perspectives on how to look at things. And and maybe they are new to you. And if that's the case, then great. But my main goal with this episode is just to kind of give you a different perspective of how to approach feedback, how to streamline that process a little bit better and to make it overall more positive for you so that it's not so freaking daunting. Okay, so now let's get started. So my very first tip that I'm going to mention is education. And I think this is something that is super undervalued, I'd say, in the client process. I think that it's often assumed that clients know how to talk to us in design talk. And the only thing we need to onboard them on is like processes, timeline, deliverables, and things like that. But I don't really think that's the case. So one thing that I do that has helped me so much that I've seen a huge change in is my welcome guide has a feedback sort of guidelines or tips page that helps my clients understand what types of feedback helps me. And this is going to be different from other types of people. Sometimes you are a more cut and dry, straightforward person. You just want to know what works and what doesn't. Some people don't really love that kind of criticism like myself and would prefer more abstract, um, more idea-based feedback rather than like specific details like this color or this element in particular. So whatever that is for you, you can create a feedback guide that tells your clients like, hey, this is the way that I like to be communicated to and these are things that I don't appreciate in my feedback. And so whatever that is for you, I think you have full control over communicating that with your clients. But I think it's really important to make it part of your onboarding process because that is where your client is really soaking in all the information, getting themselves acquainted with working with you, like learning your project management system, learning how you transfer files, and in that process, also learning how to talk to you in a way that's going to be efficient and effective for the both of you. So just an example of what I put into my feedback guide is I say that I prefer to hear from you 
on a more abstract basis like what isn't working rather than nitpick details unless you think it's a detail I've overlooked. So I also put an example in there so that because sometimes people don't really understand what I mean when I just explain it. So I put an example. So I put like for example, let's say the color palette isn't working for you. Tell me what about the color palette feels off or you feel doesn't align with your audience, but don't necessarily tell me that I don't like this orange and I don't like this blue because that doesn't really tell me what I should do an alternative to that orange and blue. But if you tell me that you feel like it's a little too muted, for example, and you want it to be more energetic, you want it to be a bit more bright, that tells me maybe that it's not the specific range of orange or blue, but rather maybe it's like the tone, or maybe I need to make it more vibrant, and or maybe it's the accompanying colors. So, so that really tells me a lot more than just nitpicking details. And then my clients when they read that example, they understand like, oh, I see that's how I should phrase all of my feedback in the future. And some people have asked me like, oh, how do I get my clients to even read that part? Because a lot of them don't. I don't do anything to like make them read it. And it's not like homework, but I do tell them that like, please read through everything in the guide. It's really important. It's I don't include anything that's not necessary for you to know. So please read everything. And it's only a six page guide and it's pretty straightforward and I make it really pretty and cute. And I haven't found any issues since. And I've found that everyone typically reads it because all of my feedback that I get is kind of formatted in that way that I mentioned in the guide. So that's just my recommendation. And it really needs to be kind of more tailored to you. I don't really recommend using the exact examples that I use or the exact wording that I use. Although if you do want to see it, um, I'm going to be coming out with a template for that soon. But it really needs to be catered to your communication style because I know everyone is different. I prefer to get feedback written like as a comment on my project management software ClickUp. Some people prefer to have a meeting where you talk it through. Um, I get major anxiety during those meetings, so no thank you. But for some people, it's different, and whatever that is for you, great. So my second point, kind of building off of that in terms of feedback, is to respond in a way that fosters the type of language and the type of feedback that you want. So what I mean by that is if a client, for example, gives you feedback that isn't so helpful or maybe is a little bit hurtful or inconsiderate or it's not the best feedback right, that you could have received, how you respond determines how the rest of the process of revision is going to go. And I think it's easier said than done, obviously, that when you get some maybe like abrasive or negative feedback to handle it graciously and to know exactly how to handle the situation. But I think a lot of the times people just don't understand how it is for you. Because I don't want to expect, you know, my clients to have been in my position as like a designer before putting their artistic and creative work on the, on the line for judgment. So sometimes they just don't understand that like, you know, maybe we don't have as thick of a skin as they think that we do, or maybe they think that dissecting a design is the same as dissecting like a business proposal. Sometimes people just don't get it. And so what helps for me in terms of thinking about how to respond is I almost think of it as almost like a teacher-student situation. Not that I think that I'm like above my clients or anything, that's not what I'm getting at, but it's more that I think of it as an education moment rather than two equals maybe like deriding each other. I think of it more as a student who has entered my classroom. This is They're new to my class. They've never learned from me before. They don't necessarily know how I like to communicate in my classroom. And every classroom is different. Some people like to do raising hands. Some people like to just jump in and talk. Some teachers like to give feedback directly to student one-on-one, -on -one, so you'd like to write it on the papers, whatever. This is a very extensive analogy. But 
like I said, every classroom is different and you can't necessarily as a teacher respond to students the same way that they talk to you. You always need to take some sort of tone that is going to be constructive and it's going to lead that student in the right direction because you can't take the same attitude that a student might take to you. That's just inappropriate and it's not necessarily considerate of what their background and their experiences. So although it may be annoying that it's our job, but it's part of our job to kind of think about what does our client misunderstand about the situation and what can I teach them or what can I inform them about this so that way the next step that we do has a little bit of improvement and is better than the last rather than responding in a negative way. So just an example of that is let's say I just send over a draft and the client sends me like 10 different revisions and they're like nitpicking to me. They're being quite rude. They don't even say that they like it. They didn't say good job or thank you or anything. And that's, you know, that kind of hurts your feelings whenever you've worked a long time on it and you put a lot of thought and effort into it. Instead of being like, well, these are really harsh revisions and I don't like the way your tone is with me and blah, 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 and kind of taking it to an emotional level maybe. Although, obviously, I understand that that sort of response is quite natural. A way to approach it would be, hi, thank you for your feedback. I just want to confirm that you do, in fact, though, like, like slash appreciate the draft I sent to you just to make sure that you know, I'm not misreading the feedback here. From my perspective, it does kind of feel like you didn't really like anything. And so I want to make sure that I'm on the right track in terms of where you're at. Also, your feedback, although detailed and appreciated, is a tad too in-depth, I believe, for how I like to work in my creative process. I think it would be better if maybe you could consolidate a lot of that feedback into more abstract ideas that would help me further come up with alternatives rather than just plugging and fixing problems. If you have any questions, like maybe let's talk it out or here's an example of some ways to rephrase things that would, could be better for me to understand. And in that way, you're, you are kind of pushing back and telling them like, hey, like the way you kind of spoken to me isn't really okay. But you're allowing them the space to improve and to acknowledge or to recognize their faults or like places where they went wrong and then and then change that behavior in the future. Whereas with the other response, it then kind of comes a back and forth and that's just a nightmare for everybody. So I think the way that you respond needs to kind of take this slightly more, I guess you could say like teacher or mentor approach whenever you're addressing some concerns or responding to behaviors or responses that you're not really loving, rather than sort of like a boss employee type approach. Because when you, whenever you think about it as like they're your boss and you're their employee, that sort of dynamic is not going to allow you the space to kind of give your feedback on their feedback. Whereas if you think about it as more like they are entering my space as the creative and I need to educate them on how my classroom operates, that's really going to fly a lot better. It's going to make it easier for you to think of ways to respond when you think of them like that rather than some, maybe like a tyrant of a boss coming in and telling you what to do. Think of it as an education opportunity rather than sort of like a area of conflict. So that's just my recommendation. Just think about how you respond and try to think of it in a slightly less emotional way if possible. So the third one I have in mind is very, very similar to the second point. It's, I guess it's more of like a subset of that second point that I just said. And it is repositioning what their feedback is into a direction that's more conducive for you. 
So what I mean by that is in the previous bullet point that I just said, that one's more about educating them on different ways to phrase their feedback. But now I'm talking more about ways to push back on that feedback if you don't agree with it. So what I mean by repositioning or pivoting with their feedback is, is I mean, instead of kind of fighting with them and be like, oh, I disagree, I don't think that's right, because that can kind of open the door for future confrontation. Instead of doing that, you can then say, well, let's think about the options that we have and let's reevaluate like our audience, for example, or our objective. Let's think about what is going to make the most sense. Can you explain to me why you think that the option that you're suggesting to me makes the most sense for this objective? And here's my explanation. And then usually you can kind of re-pivot the conversation away from, I don't like this, you need to make these changes, and into a discussion where you guys can actually talk through your thinking and maybe align more on vision or or maybe bridge any gaps that there are in the conversation. And usually in that case that I've found in personal experience, that results in my expertise being trusted a little bit more when they can kind of get into my head and I can talk things through and they can ask me questions on an open canvas. And then we can just get onto the same page without there being like a weird conflict or pushback. Because I do think that it's our job to not take feedback at face value and just to execute orders without introducing our opinion into it because we are the experts they hire us for a reason and so i think that whenever there is a moment where we don't agree with the feedback that we get you can also take it rather than an opportunity for conflict or for pushback make it an opportunity to get to the same page or to maybe open up your mind to explaining the way that things work for you mentally so that the client can maybe get onto the same page and understand and align with you rather than be against you because when two collaborators are in sync that is just pure harmony and that is like the best situation for your project but when two collaborators are against one another that is just a nightmare and so you want to try and steer any sort of pushing back of opinion into the more synchronous type of collaboration rather than the conflict-ridden collaboration and so that's what I think is the best approach for pushing back on feedback and that's how I handle it whenever I get that situation. So my fourth point and my final point that I'm going to leave with you today is when it comes to feedback, I think it's really, really important that you manage expectations from the get-go. And what I mean by that is it's really difficult, I think, when business owners enter a space, maybe not even working with a creative before or even worse, working with other creatives and they're used to a certain way of collaborating, that they don't understand necessarily like how much or what to give feedback on and I think it's really good to manage expectations from the get-go before you even talk about design before you even share work on what is expected of them and what is expected of you and manage those expectations of how much each person contributes so to me by that is I tell all of my clients when I'm onboarding that I like to put in hours and hours and hours of thought and strategy and effort into their projects. And I, and I never present any concept that I don't believe is fully fleshed out and I'm proud of showing you. And telling them that lets them know that when I'm giving them work, I give them work that I am proud of, which then one makes them tend to be a little bit nicer when they do give me feedback because they know that it's something I'm proud of personally. 
too, they don't necessarily push back as much because implied within me saying that is that this work is something that I believe is right for your business from a professional standpoint. And so that sort of expectation management there sets the stage for just this level of respect and an expectation of quality. Like whatever they're going to see from me is something of quality and something that I personally support as a professional. And that's going to make them see all of the work through a different lens. So that's why even though I called different rounds like drafts, for example, I still use the language and the rhetoric and I put in the expectation that the drafts are going to be fully fleshed out ideas and concepts. They're not going to be like rough drafts. I call them concepts with rounds of of editing, but I don't like to call them like, you know, rough ideas or brainstorms or anything like that. So managing expectations like like this where you can let your client know that different levels are with pieces of work that there's a level of quality, there's a level of thought into there makes them maybe question less some of the decisions that you make. So that's just an example, but managing expectations is super great and it will save you a lot of heartache in the long run. It's something that you can also add into that welcome guide feedback template that I mentioned in the beginning. Um, Another example of managing expectations is letting your clients know in the revision sort of process, you know, what types of revisions should they be looking for. So another thing is instead of maybe just telling them, hey, here's the first draft, let me know your thoughts, you can also say or, or, or be more detailed and be like, here is the first draft. I would love to hear about any things that are working for you and not working for you on a conceptual level. We can work out a little bit more of the details in the second round, but I'd love to hear your thoughts just in the direction that we're going. And that kind of feedback is going to be a lot more pointed and a lot more specific towards the actual information that you need at this moment rather than them having to give you nitpicky details and you have to tell them oh can you be more abstract and then you have to do a second round of feedback and that can cause some frustration on both ends if you manage the expectations from the get-go being like here is my work and here's what i expect of you to do while you're looking at this work then they know exactly what you want and then they can Instead of having to try and read your mind and potentially misdeliver, they can directly answer the things that you asked of them. And everyone's just happier in that way. And it's easier for them as well because they don't have to guess like, oh, what am I supposed to be looking at? So those are just some examples of things that I really think are key to managing feedback because I know it's such a touchy and difficult sort of phase within a sort of design collaboration Hopefully this was helpful for you. And as always, you know, take my advice with a grain of salt, whatever works for you, use it, whatever doesn't, don't. I'd love to hear any client tips, especially with feedback. I love learning more tips from other people. So feel free to DM me on Instagram as always. If you have any questions, also feel free to DM me. I'd love to connect. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you the next one. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Design Diaries. We'll catch you on the next episode.